Hey there, adventurer. I appreciate you taking the time to do an investigation check and dig into the archives of the show. I wanted to let you know that this is an old episode back when the show was called The Hard Thing Podcast. The topics are still the same, though the format and some of the names are different. If instead you are coming back to The Hard Thing Podcast, well, surprise, we changed our name and some of our branding. Feel free to hang out in the archives and listen to all the wonderful old episodes of The Hard Thing Podcast or take on a new adventure by listening to some of our current episodes. Either way, happy adventuring. This is the Hard Thing Podcast. Today, we are overcoming average. I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Hard Thing Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you overcome average, step up above mediocrity, all by doing hard things. You see, our goal here is to help you improve your life in meaningful ways by giving you the tips, tricks, tools, tactics, whatever you need to do the hard things that are stopping you from having a better life. And uh, today is our Monday show, so you'll hear from me and a guest. We have a conversation about how to do some hard things. And we talk a lot about psychology today. But before we get into that, uh, a couple quick announcements. First thing, go ahead and check out our website, thehardthingpodcast.com. Uh, it's still pretty new, still pretty unpolished, I'd say. But check out what we got going on there. And if you have suggestions, go ahead and let me know. I'd love to hear. Reach out to me at The Hard Thing Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we'd see how, uh, you know, what's going on. And second thing. If you get some sort of value out of today's podcast, think of someone, think of a dear friend maybe, or, or you know, your cousin, I don't know, uh, who could benefit from today's episode. I know a lot of people will have perspective shifts from today's episode. So share the podcast with them. It goes a long way to helping us spread this message and hopefully help people improve their lives. And then the last thing, we are raising $1,000 for Operation Underground Railroad. They are a nonprofit organization that goes undercover to rescue kids from sex trafficking. And even with the whole virus and, and everyone basically socially distancing themselves, they are still working hard to rescue kids who don't have the same opportunity to get away from places that they could get infected as we do. So if you want to help us help them, go ahead and help us raise $1,000 for them. Go to GoFundMe.com slash Overcoming Dash Average and donate some money to help rescue some kids. Now, let me tell you about today's guest. Today is, I'm talking with Scott Barry Kaufman. Uh, it was a very interesting conversation. Scott is the author of the new book, Transcend, The New Science of Self-Actualization, which actually comes out on April 7th, so uh, pretty soon here. <clears throat> and today, again, like I said, we talk a lot about psychology, but specifically Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, which we go into a little bit more in depth today. And it really, uh, it illuminated my eyes as to how all of our needs don't necessarily need to be at odds with each other, but instead we can align our needs and use that to propel us towards self-actualization, which I find a fascinating way to view things. But anyways, I'll let Scott talk more about it. Let's go ahead and just jump right into the conversation with Scott Barry Kaufman. Well, thank you for being on the show, Scott. I am so excited to have this conversation and talk about uh, your book and everything that's going on. Yeah, I'm excited too. Excellent. Well, let's ask the question that I ask all my guests. Okay. Uh, Scott, what is the hardest thing you've ever done? Oh, I think it was to get into Yale University for my <laughs> for my PhD program. And I know that's uh, it sounds weird because it's something that would be hard for anyone, but right. I think it was particularly out of reach for me, at least it felt out of reach for me because I just wasn't 
and it was never predicted for me as a kid. I mean, I was I was in special education, and and it seems it seemed like if if you told my special ed self that I would someday get into Yale PhD program, there was there's no way I would even think that was yeah. possible. So yeah, probably that. Wow. Uh, so being in special ed, what I, I guess you know, what made you want to go into Yale PhD program? What led you there? Well, well, a number of things led me there, and uh, I, I just I, I loved psychology. I think I've loved psychology ever since I can remember. I used to be fascinated with kids, and uh, when I was when I was a kid, I was fascinated with with how. Uh, yeah, I should be clear about that. Uh, when I when I was a kid, I was right. all the people around me, like on the playground, you know, like like why can this person do this thing, but this person can't do this thing and and you know gifts and talents i've always been fascinated with that kind of uh, what they call individual differences in in psychology but mm-hmm. uh, you know being in special ed and and uh, seeing all the students in in the classroom not have their potential realized really upset me and i, I thought there was a lot of greater potential for them and when i got to college and i discovered there was there was a whole field devoted to studying uh, educational psychology and uh, intelligence I got very excited and, and decided I wanted to, to devote my life to that. And Yale, Yale had had my idol, uh, uh, Robert Sternberg, the psychologist who redefined intelligence and came up with uh, his, his this new theory of intelligence. And I was just it was my dream to work with him. And I, I did everything I could do to uh, to make that a reality, including being basically his water boy for a summer <laughs> at, at, at Yale. And I was like, I'll just do anything you know you want uh, yeah. and uh, for unpaid. And so that was that was interesting. Wow, I find it so often that you do have to accept those positions of responsibility with little or no reward in order to get where you're going. Um, so, what were some of the hurdles in getting into Yale? I mean, I'm very unfamiliar with the requirements and what you have to do. So, what did that look like? It required GR, taking this GREs. I hate mm-hmm. standard. I, I I just always hated standardized tests. <laughs> they made me so nervous. Just thinking about it right now, I'm breaking out in hives. Um, you know, just <laughs> thinking about it because you well, you have yeah. this thing where you have these this number counting down on the screen. It's like right in front of your face. And how's that not mm-hmm. supposed to make you nervous? I don't get it. But uh, and, and, and I never really overcame my testings I had earlier. So I was really nervous that that was going to limit me from getting into Yale. Um, I also had to write a personal statement and uh, talk about why I'm interested in the topic I want to study as a PhD student. And I talked about my interest in intelligence and 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 human potential and, and all that. And and why we need to redefine intelligence. I think it just really, really helped that I worked with Robert Sternberg that summer. Really, really helped. Well, he, he, he fought for me, I think, because my GRE scores still weren't great. I mean, they weren't Yale yeah. level. They weren't Yale level. Wow. Well, it just goes to you know show you the power of like the worth beyond tests. And and, and I, I, I'm I'm sure you could testify to this just because you know standardized tests aren't for everyone but it goes to show you that you know you were able to prove that you were competent but the test couldn't really gauge that and uh that's very impressive so how did that instance you're welcome (laughs) how did that instance yeah yeah, no problem um how did that instance then lead you to writing transcend oh well that there's a lot of steps along the 
the chain, <laughs> a lot of links in that chain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because look, I started off my field thinking that I was redefining intelligence, and I thought that was my mission. And once I got into it more, I realized that really my goal was to redefine human potential. And and I didn't know it at the time. I mean, I I, I was very angry that the IQ test was was used as the main metric of of human mm-hmm. uh, potential, and 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 I felt like so many kids who didn't do well in IQ tests were uh, falling between the cracks. I, I realized that IQ really wasn't the enemy. It's just a test. <laughs> it's, it's not like a. I, it's just like it's just a test. It, it's how we use these tests, and and what we what we make of them. But it just seemed like even those who were scoring sky high on IQ tests weren't winning in the educational system. Uh, you know, they were just being stuck in gifted classes and told, yeah, just be gifted. You know, like that's yeah. all. Like they're sorted. You know. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and I saw a larger thing. So when I started, I discovered the work of human, the humanistic psychologists in the fifties and sixties, people like Abraham Maslow and, and mm-hmm. Carl Rogers and others, and got very excited about their ideas of self-actualization. And then that resonated with me because I was like, oh, that's what I really want to do is I want to help everyone self-actualize. And that seemed to me like a broader goal and maybe, uh, a more, even a more tangible goal than. And redefining intelligence. Right. For our audience who might not be aware, um, specifically Maslow and what he researched and, and kind of uh, taught about, I guess you could say, and self-actualization, could you explain what that means and what Maslow really worked on? Uh, Maslow's original theory of self-actualization argued that we have a series of needs that not it has to have to be met uh, like as a requirement, but that it makes it much harder for us to self-actualize becoming all that we're capable of becoming in life if our if we're chronically hungry, for instance, or if we are severely deprived of our connections with people, if we don't feel a sense of respect or esteem from others, it can it can severely dep- it, 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 it creates such a constraint on self-actualization. Um, now, some people have depicted his theory as a pyramid. Many people might be familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs as a pyramid. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that he never depicted his theory as a pyramid. He never drew a pyramid. A lot of people don't know that. But he, what he did focus on is this tension uh, or this interaction between what he called uh, deprivation needs or um, safety needs and growth needs. And we have we have these these needs like the need for uh, safety, connection, self-esteem. That when they're deprived, all we want to do is 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 get it to, is to not have them deprived. You know, we want relief. But that's not mm-hmm. the same thing as fighting for growth, uh, or, or strive. I shouldn't say fighting, striving for growth. It's a quite quite a different thing. And uh, and when you strive for growth, you you strive for integration. You strive for transcendence. You are not as concerned with defending yourself or um, or or uh, demanding that the world treat you a certain way, like you know, feed me or connect, connect, love me or respect me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a different kind mm-hmm. of way of thinking about the world, and, and and growth is ultimately what what will lead to fulfillment, deep fulfillment. You mentioned strive for integration. What do you mean by that? 
Oh, well, that's um, a good question. Uh, so strive for integration is to not leave any parts of you neglected, especially parts that are that are that are important parts of you. You know, some people may want to transcend or 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 fight or go for growth, strive for growth. Like they want to realize their talents, but they neglect their needs for connection with others. They 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 may may pretend they don't care about respect or or um, or, or, or liking, you know, by others, but, but they, they must because it's part of human nature. Um, you know, they, they may, they may pretend, you know, maybe their, their safety needs aren't being met to a certain degree and they're ignoring that. So integrating means just bringing everything that's within you, uh, to the task of realizing your highest potential, working as a whole team. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's, it, yay. That made sense. <laughs> uh, so, kind of what you were saying is, it's balancing the the idea that we need to make sure our bases are covered, so our needs, uh, our safety needs, as you said, and then balancing that with our ability to push past those and, and grow for our growth needs. Kind of that balancing act between the two. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean we're we're constantly tethering between the two when we feel like. Our, our um, security needs aren't being met, or we feel like we're pitched mm-hmm. to this state of great insecurity. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, that's that's that, that that focuses our whole mind on 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 security, and we just don't have co- room and consciousness for growth. I mean, there's a lot. Of, it's not like uh, right now with this virus, people are you know exclusively focusing on their self-actualization. I think for many, they're right they're tying themselves to their beds <laughs> or something, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. they're like, I'm not leaving yeah. this house. <laughs> right. So, right. you know, it's like, uh, it's interesting to see what happens when, when everyone, uh, when there's so much uncertainty and, and how people react and people are really reacting to this uncertainty, you know? Yeah. Uh, so what have you learned or I guess, how would you advise people to be able to balance both safety needs and growth needs, because I'm assuming that you know you do need to care about uh, your connection with others. You do need to make sure that you feel safe and secure, and that you have enough to eat. So, how would you how would you recommend balancing, at least inside our minds, between thinking of safety needs versus growth needs? Well, I don't. I think that balancing is is good, but integration <laughs> is better. So okay. bringing all these things so they don't work at odds with each other. Like if you know you get a job where if you have a high need for connection and relatedness that you have a mm-hmm. you, you choose a people job, you know, then you can get the need for connection along with the job that you're doing that you love. Um, if you are really high in your 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 need for esteem or uh, or having a healthy pride for what you do, because it's important to distinguish between a healthy self-esteem and narcissism. They're not the mm-hmm. same. They're not the same thing, you know. Then, then maybe you might want to choose some jobs that you can constantly get a the feedback. I mean, I think people who play sports, they love that shit. <laughs> they love that esteem mm-hmm. shit, right? They're like, yeah. love that. They're like, yeah, I scored a touchdown. Look at me, aren't I amazing? You know, it's like 
that's right and that's a you know that works for them that that not everyone might get as excited by make getting that touchdown as there's a right. certain personality type there or, or, or certain personality and 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 i think we all need to recognize what are our needs what are they because we differ in them we differ in how important some of those needs are but but being able to grow to your full height requires integrating your your most unfulfilled needs as well as your need to to develop into a unique self that can most uh, powerfully contribute to the world and, that, and that's what I talk about in my new book about transcendence mm-hmm. so I, I think I understand now better than I did instead of balancing between the two it's um, making them one and the same so fulfilling both needs with you know killing two birds with one stone in a sense um, yeah. and you mentioned that you really need to understand your own needs how would you recommend going about doing that um i mean i have a checklist of personality mm-hmm. items in my book i mean you could buy my book and, and, and assess <laughs> go through each of the needs and assess where you're at but well that makes sense yeah i mean there there are scientifically validated uh, measures to to really get it how deprived you are in basic needs Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so I guess go get Scott's book. <laughs> um. <laughs> hey guys, quick pause. I know today is kind of a very specific topic. We talk a lot about psychology and hey, you might not be as familiar with psychology as the next guy. I know I certainly don't know everything. I, I, I mean, Scott definitely mentioned some things today that I wasn't aware of. So if you want to get your book learning on and learn more about psychology, you can actually get a free audiobook and dive into some of those deep topics from Audible. Just go to audibletrial.com slash the hard thing podcast and you get a free audiobook today as well as start a free 30 day trial, which will allow you to deepen your knowledge of the psychological wonders that is the human brain. I just made all that up, but you could probably do it. Uh, so go to audibletrial.com slash the hard thing podcast, get a free 30 day trial as well as a free audiobook today. Choose from over 180,000 titles. Anyways, it's a smoking good deal. Go get a free audiobook today. But uh, we're going to get back to the show. But one question in reading up about your book and kind of what it talks about, uh, you talk about how today people set their sights on money, riches, fame, happiness, and they don't really lead to fulfillment. So I wanted to ask, what does fulfillment mean to you? Hmm. It's a great question. Because it's it's uh, I think that you can have like a hierarchy of fulfillment, uh, deep fulfillment, and you can go down to shallow fulfillment. I mean, shallow fulfillment really tends to be the things that operate most in the short term. Like you get, you eat a chocolate bar, you 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 feel fulfilled mm-hmm. for fifteen minutes, and then you're. You forget about it. But there's mm-hmm. levels of deep fulfillment to me that you only get over the long haul, uh, usually overcoming a challenge, um, making a, having a, re- a really meaningful connection uh, with someone over a long-term period of time. Really, things re- that really give you a sense of meaning in life, not just happiness, tend to lead to a deeper sense of fulfillment. That's my nuanced, nerdy answer. Is that okay? No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, and that, that actually kind of makes me curious. Is there 
Is there any utility, value, or benefit from seeking after the shallow fulfillments at all? Well, there's benefit in keeping your sanity sometimes. (laughs) 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 I mean, I'm here quarantined, you know, not literally quarantined in the sense I have the virus, but I'm self-isolating. Is that the term? And uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the official term nowadays. But um, I have, uh, you know, I stocked up on my fair share of chocolate because you need things for the morale every now and then. You can't, you don't, you don't want to wait ten years to boost the morale right yeah. now. So no, it's yeah. it's okay. Look, all these things in in moderation. But if you really do want long term fulfillment or deep fulfillment, you know, you really have to expect that these things take time. You need patience. Mm-hmm. I, I find that sometimes, <clears throat> I mean, the podcast is all about doing hard things, right? And yeah. sometimes people say, hey, you should do this because, you know, uh, it's a hard thing. And, uh, I, I, you know, I think there is wisdom that's necessary in order to be able to choose when to do the hard things and to, to weigh, okay, should I do this hard thing? And try and gain the benefit that comes with accomplishing it, or should I do this hard, not do this hard thing, and avoid, you know, stepping backwards because it could, uh, I don't know, make me lose sight of what I'm trying to do or, or things like that. You know what I mean? Oh, of course. Well, Maslow made it very clear that human development was always a two-step, a two-step forward, one-step back dynamic. Always, mm-hmm. it's just a constant. Uh, striving for growth and then falling on our ass, you know, striving for growth, falling on. Yeah. Like you, no, none of us are 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 perfect. <laughs> I mean, I for lack of a better term, <laughs> you know, like there, you yeah. know, like you, you may people try to present themselves as perfect on Instagram, but mm-hmm. have you, if you've ever met any of these Instagram influencers, they're a me- freaking mess in real life. <laughs> I mean, I'm always. It's always. It's always like a, a, a 0.8 correlation. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, yeah. I've I've noticed. Uh, do you know what I mean? Have you ever met any of these 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 people who present themselves as perfect every day on Instagram? Have you met them in real life? I, I haven't met them in real life, but I've heard many stories of you know either their lives are a shamble or they're just kind of like a normal person. Yeah. You know, it's it's one or the other, something like that. Yeah. So, fair enough. Um, now I'm kind of curious. So you learn about Maslow's work, and you learn about you know his theory of the needs that we all have. What sp- spurred you forward to start writing a book about what you believe as the needs that we have? Why did I do it? <laughs> <laughs> Why, Scott? Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why did the world need this? Well, I, I, I think that I, when I discovered the writings of Maslow, I noticed that he was working on a theory of transcendence that he hadn't realized, and it, it, it I felt like it was so needed in the world today. It was so much. Uh, there's so many misconceptions about what it means to self-actualize and people would, would, would say things, you know, like self-actualization is so individualistic and selfish. And, and that's really not the spirit of the humanistic psychologist. They really saw self-actualization as 
requiring transcendence. It requires you getting outside of yourself to have some sort of calling from outside of yourself and to be called and to to be committed to uh, a life of responsibility and and uh, and what Maslow called the B values or the values of being. Uh, you could just say higher values of life, like truth, justice, goodness, beauty, meaningfulness, things like that. So, yeah, I, I just it just resonated with, so deeply with me, and I felt like it was really needed in the world today. Wow. And, and <clears throat> I believe you, you, you say there's a distinction between self-actualization and achievement. What would you say the difference is? They're actually not the same at all. Uh, so you, I, I know that's like asking me what is the difference <laughs> means that you're acknowledging they're not the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well it's tricky and I feel like I always like think very like complex about the stuff because Maslow right. you know I want to give you an example Maslow Maslow thought that his wife Bertha's mom was the most self-actualized person he'd ever met more self-actualized than him <laughs> and wow. and his and his wife Bertha's mom wasn't achieving at all she was a home a homebody as they say you know she was mm-hmm. She stayed at home and helped everyone, but she was the kindest human being, and she was so good. And and I, I don't think people realize it, but Maslow began his journey to understanding self-actualization by trying to find the greatest specimens of good people on this planet. He actually started off writing his uh, – it was he called it the Good Human Being Notebook, uh, where he wrote <laughs> examples of, of people he thought were good human beings. He didn't even call it self-actualization at that point. But it led to self-actualized to, to self-actualization. So I think that one can be very high achieving and receive all the accolades or accolades from from people and get all the awards, be on all the Time magazine covers <laughs> that mm-hmm. you want, and just be a horrible human being. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can you think of anyone like that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can think of a couple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and just. And and you're not you're, you're and just not be fully human. See, Maslow really like he prefer, he actually did not like the term self-actualization. People don't know that. People don't know that towards the end of his life, he actually wrote in a footnote. I, I saw he's like, oh, what a terrible term. He he preferred fully human is what he preferred. You know, what you know what? Is, yeah, like a lot of a lot of people that aren't aren't actualizing their human potentialities. They're they're focusing so much on their animalistic, you know, we're animals, of course, but there's a part of us that is uniquely human, and we don't we don't work on those aspects sometimes as much as we work on the uh, the deeply uh, evolved traits that we share with other animals for competition and right, you know, all these aggression, all these things. Right. So, how would one go about um, developing these deeply human attributes? I think you have to find out how to do that in your own way, and that's not a satisfying answer. I, I, my book is my book is all about. I'm not a prescription kind of guy. Like you got the mm. wrong guy. You got the wrong guy if you want the five hacks. You know, like um, right. Life and is about 
I know. I know. It sounds like a cop, the biggest cop out answer ever in, in the history of self help interviews. Mm-hmm. But I, I make it very clear in the book that the good life is a process, not a destination. And mm-hmm. and you have to find out how to reconcile the paradoxes of of human existence in your own style and in your own way. You have to figure out like. Self-insight is so important to this process, like really plumbing the depths of who you are and not just the good parts of you, but also the uh, the naughty bits of you that, that maybe you don't want mm-hmm. to admit are part of you. But but really just accepting them and having a full full acceptance of that and 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 having as much conscious awareness of who you are so that you can mo- be in the greatest position to steer the boat in the way in the way you want to steer it or steer steer the sailboat as i use my metaphor in the new book quick pause again my fellow sojourners uh scott is a very intelligent person he has definitely put his mind to work and that's something we can all aspire to but not only that we should all aspire to put our bodies to work as well strong mind strong body and if you want to strengthen your body even more i would recommend high quality supplements from people like one mission nutrition they are an excellent source of supplements proteins pre-workouts green drinks pretty much everything you need to to get stronger and more fit and you can actually get a 10% discount today by going to allegiance.onemissionnutrition.com/thehardthingpodcast get a uh, 10% discount today <clears throat> And that actually helps support the troops. So what's not to love about that? 10% discount, supporting the troops. Go get some supplements today. In the meantime, let's get back to the show. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you about that because uh, I noticed the title. It, it looks like, you know, waves in, a, con- in, in, in a, a circle, you could say. And there's a boat making its way off the book, off the front page. Why did you choose a sailboat to represent this idea? So what's really neat about a sailboat in terms of trying to emphasize the the connection between safety and growth is that you can view the boat itself as as safety. You need to secure the boat or else the boat won't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. If, if the boat has a leak, you feel deeply insecure. You know, that's catastrophic to the whole the whole system, the whole the whole the whole vehicle. And all of us, you know, we're we're whole people. At the end of the day, we're greater than the sum of our parts. Right. You know, this this metaphor of you, we climb this mountain and and we we climb all of our needs and then we reach self-actualization. And we surpass all the other needs is not an accurate reflection of how we actually live our lives. I think a sailboat metaphor shows that we 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 need to secure that boat before we can really grow to our full height before we can open that sail. The sail represents growth and the boat represents safety. And as we're going through the unknown uh, sea with uh, who knows when the next wave is going to come, we the best we can do is, is, is have inner growth and integration, uh, feel secure within ourselves and feel like we're, we can explore and grow. So a sailboat is just is such a such a, a, a good way of visually depicting this this connection between safety and growth. Can you visualize yeah. it without reading the book? Can you Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the sailboat is an excellent 
visualization of how this works because anyone can really, you know, uh, what's the word? It's either sympathize or empathize. They can picture how necessary the integrity of the hull is for the boat's right. safety, but also the boat's not, it's not going to go anywhere unless the sail's up. So both components are absolutely essential. You got it. You got it. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Impressed. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Justin. Justin nailed uh, it. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about the process of writing the book because I've heard that writing the writing books is, you know, very difficult. Oh, it's easy. How was it for you? <laughs> oh, yeah. no, no big deal. I wrote it in two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it's a painful process. It's uh, like a root canal, really. Yeah. Uh huh, and uh, and one of those things that you feel that it maybe not like a root canal because I don't think you ever feel satisfaction with a root canal. But you feel, <laughs> yeah, you, no. You, you feel <laughs> you do feel satisfaction. You know, I like. I think almost any writer you talk to will say they they love when the book's done, <laughs> but they don't mm-hmm. like writing it. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's it's a weird thing. It's you know maybe like having children. You you, you yeah. like you know you like to see your your child get out there in the world and and do its own thing and uh, and in you know make the world a better place. But raising the child is is one of the greatest sources of unhappiness one could have. <laughs> right. I was actually thinking uh, of childbirth. It, it's you know from what you described, it's very much like the intense hours of labor and then at the end all the pain is done hopefully and yeah. you have this beautiful child so that's what i was thinking <laughs> yeah, I, think that's, I think that's quite right yeah uh, uh in reading about your book it also mentioned that you you give some exercises to help kind of walk away from the familiar and seek fresh experiences can you tell me more about that I think that you just said it. <laughs> there's not there's not much more to it. <laughs> Seek fresh yeah. experiences. You know, try to be. I mean, that's just one of the things of Maslow had this whole list of what he called exercises to enter the realm of pure being. Uh, mm-hmm. Things we could do to enter this uh, growth realm of human existence, and, and yeah, that's one of the things on his list. Uh, to and he has a whole list of things that we want to be able to to have appreciation for. Things that we see uh, afresh. You know, these are things mm-hmm. that we may see over and over and over again, but being able to have a newfound appreciation for them and curiosity for them, uh, no matter how many times we've seen them before, is 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 such a great source of self-actualization. One could have. I mean, people tend to think of gratitude as just having gratitude for things that you you encounter uh, that mm-hmm. are new, but People don't maybe not think of gratitude as, you know, appreciating a new a sunset every time you see it, or a loved one every time you see them, and and renewing that energy. Yeah, I I think that is very insightful, and uh, gratitude is one of the things I couldn't reckon, uh, recommend enough to people, because I think that when you adopt a, a feeling of gratitude, spirit of gratitude. It changes so many other aspects of how you view the world and how you interact with it, and I think all of those in a better way. Um, as you were writing the book, were there yeah. any moments where you'd be contemplating a topic or a principle, 
and then you write about it or maybe, you know, think about it a little bit more and somehow you see it in your life and you're like, oh, dang, that's it right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, uh, well, Scott, I have enjoyed our conversation so much. Um, now let's get down to the final questions I ask all of our guests. Uh, Scott, based on our conversation today, what one to three action items would you give our audience to do today or this week to improve their lives? Oh, wow. We're going to be – are we going to assume people are leaving their apartment? Um, yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. Yeah, because this is, this is going to be a transcendent interview. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> It'll transcend time and space. Well, exactly. uh, let, let me let me let me read some of the um, things here that uh, that Maslow uh, said. Uh, so you want three? Live more in the B realm. I'm going to give you three three exercises that Maslow was working on. Um, Perfect. Cultivate periods of quiet meditation. Getting out of the world. This one should be easy these days. Uh, and getting <laughs> getting out of your usual locality. Immediate concerns, apprehension, and forebodings. Periodically get away from time and space concerns, away from clocks, calendars, responsibilities, demands from the world, duties, and other people. Um, daydream. Go into the dreamy state. Um, think about your future. Think about your uh, your past. Reflect on your past. Um, give your give your time uh, your mind time to to wander, um, and be compassionate with yourself. Be understanding, accepting, forgiving, and perhaps even loving. Uh, about your uh, your misperfections, imperfections, is expressions of human nature, and enjoy and smile at yourself. Wow, I I find that second one, the daydream one, very interesting. Um, and and I, I have to ask a follow up question: Why did he recommend people do that? The daydream. <laughs> well, he, he he framed it was get into a, dre- a dreamy state. Uh, I elaborated mm-hmm. some of those in my own SBK style uh, because I have <laughs> I have because I have studied the science of daydreaming. I was really lucky in grad school. Uh, in mm-hmm. addition to saying with Robert Sternberg, I also studied with Jerome Singer, who was the father of daydreaming research, and found that that daydreaming is 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 not pathological a lot of people in the field had thought it was pathological there there are, it can be pathological but there are positive what he called positive constructive forms of daydreaming that are very essential to to be being fully human to but also for our creativity creativity requires uh, connecting dots and 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 in our own head as well and and letting our mind wander is is essential to that process well, that's super interesting. I I've never heard anyone recommend to go into a dreamy state or, or daydream or you know, you know, be creative like that. But it makes so much sense because I'm your guy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we spend so much time in the day to day trying to make things concrete, objective, and and in front of our faces that sometimes we do need to, you know, just let loose in our minds, if you will. So it's exactly exactly right, and I I love the way you phrase that. Yeah. Uh, now, Scott, how can our audience reach out to you, connect with you, and support what you're up to? Thanks. Well, I have a po- I have a podcast called the Psychology Podcast, um, and you can you can find that on iTunes or scottbarrykaufman.com has uh, has that page, the podcast page. But scottbarrykaufman.com also has a, a free uh, self actualization test that you can take. 
and and learn more about yourself. And also, I'm on Twitter at sb kaufman, and uh, I'm quite active on Twitter. And especially this uh, this time of great uncertainty, I, I try to to post as many things as I can to make people smile. Yeah. That's definitely something that uh, people need nowadays. And you also have your book coming out, right? What day is that coming out on? Yeah, that's right. It comes out April 7th. April 7th. But you can, pre-order, what, you can pre-order it right now on Amazon. Yeah. Perfect. Amazon. I will have the links to all those up in the show notes. But, Scott, thank you so much for being on the show. I've enjoyed it immensely. It's wow. definitely changed how I think about – Specifically, the hierarchy of needs, because I've always believed that and, and thought that was something very important. But this has very much challenged the way I'm going to approach that and, and look at my life and see how maybe I, I might be able to integrate what I need with what I need to grow. So oh. thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys, and listening to today's episode. Uh, I am very appreciative that you're sticking in with us, and hopefully we're doing you some good in these difficult times. I know that things um, things can feel uncertain, but I hope this is a message of hope that uh, can illuminate your life and make you believe that you know things are going to get better, and, and you can actually make things get better for you and your uh, significant people in your life. So uh, keep on keeping on, I guess. Uh, again, reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram. Tell us what sort of hard things you're up to, and hopefully we can help if, if there's anything we can do. But we'll see you guys on Thursday for our Thursday meditation show. We got a great one lined up. In the meantime, keep doing hard things, guys, because you will overcome average. Hey guys, one quick announcement for today's show, and you might have heard this already, even in today's episode, but uh, I have an awesome opportunity for you guys. Once in a lifetime, you have the opportunity to have dinner with myself and a covert CIA operative. That's right, an undercover spy. Uh, My guest, Andrew Bustamante, has been gracious enough to offer himself up (laughs) Uh, as guest for a dinner with myself and one lucky audience member. So if you want to sign up for that, make sure you hit the link in the show notes below. As well, you can go to Instagram and hit the link in my bio at The Hard Thing Podcast. This is first come, first serve, and there's only one slot. So whoever signs up first will have the opportunity to come to Utah and have dinner with myself and Andrew Bustamante. It's an exciting opportunity. It's one that you'll be able to brag about to your friends of being able to sit down having dinner with an undercover secret agent. So don't waste any time. Go ahead and sign up in the link in the show notes or go to Instagram at The Hard Thing Podcast and click the link in my bio and you'll find all the relevant information there. Uh, So look forward to having dinner with you.